This is the last post-message podcast in our God Talk series at Lakeside Church. This was recorded live in a Q&A session on Saturday, March 24th, following the message entitled, What Does That Mean for Us? And we are live here at Lakeside Church in Folsom, California. And my name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here at Lakeside, and we are doing a live uh, post-message podcast where we're going to be capturing um, a conversation, a casual conversation after the message, and just having a good time talking about it and taking the, the ideas a little bit further. And uh, we've got our three teaching pastors who are here with us. Can you guys introduce yourselves real quick? Hi, I'm John Voles. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. He lies. I'm, I'm Broadly Franklin. Broadly. So um, neither one of them were telling the truth. That's right. Um, that's right. It's like a game show. Yeah. Yeah, and my name is John Voles. That is the truth. That is the truth. That is the truth. Yes, you look uh, like John. So it's John, Sean, and Brad. Thank you, Thank guys, you. Um, for all of your help. And then we have our uh, live studio audience. Everybody say hi. Uh, who are going to wow. be able to ask some questions. Um, uh, but really, we've had uh, five weeks now, five weekends, where we've been talking about God Talk, how to talk about God with our community in a changing culture, um, and how we can do that in the most... Uh, loving and beautiful way possible, and in a way that reflects the heart of Jesus and the heart of Lakeside. And uh, so we've been getting lots of questions throughout the series, lots of uh, just very provocative content and ideas. And so um, wanted to start with a couple questions that we've got that have been consistent throughout the uh, the last five weeks. So there was one weekend, I don't remember which me- which message it was, but we talked about the prayer, the quote-unquote prayer. Uh, sometimes, like, like the, the sinner's prayer. Sometimes we could be referred to as a sinner's prayer. And one of the questions we've got um, is, wait, there isn't a magic prayer? Maybe one of you guys could speak to that. Well, I was in a small group one time, and some, there were, we had a bunch of guys in there, and somebody was new to the whole concept of Jesus and new to the concept of faith and all of that. And when one of the guys in the group got wind of that, he leaned in like real fast and he goes, so have you prayed the prayer? Have you prayed the prayer? And I'm, and I'm like seriously thinking I'm going to throttle this man because it was so, it's just like such a, uh, not a piece of what is uh, necessary of faith in Christ, right? Praying a prayer uh, of like you, you make a decision. I'm like, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to do this. And saying a prayer to invite him into your life or to, to, you know, commit yourself to him is a beautiful thing. But is a, is there a prayer that's mandatory for us to build, to start that relationship? There's not. Not, I think, John, you were the one who were, you were, you were the one talking about that in one of these talks. Yeah, yeah, there, there isn't a specific prayer. I like that you said it's a beautiful thing. You pray. <laughs> That's a fantastic thing. Where it goes weird is I, I told the story in at least one of the gatherings uh, where uh, my dad had been a Jesus follower for quite some time and was at a party, and there was a group of well-intentioned, beautiful ladies who had been around the church for a long time and asked my dad what his spiritual birth date was, uh, and he didn't know. That, like, that wasn't a thing. He just knew that, uh, like that man we talked about in the book of John, I think it's John 9, where he said, all I can say is I was blind and now I see. Uh, and that was my dad's, uh, that was my dad's journey. C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says some people um, are, it's like they're lying in a dark room and somebody comes in and they 
open up the shades really fast and they go, whoa, all of a sudden there's light and they, they fall to their knees. And for some people, it's like the, the blinds just keep creaking open a little bit at a time. And they're like, one, they get to a spot and they go, hey, it's light in here. <laughs> you know, uh, but it didn't happen, you know, at, at, at the snap of a finger. Um, so they asked my dad what his spiritual birthday was and then asked, when he didn't know, they had great concern that he, that might mean that he hadn't prayed a specific prayer. And it was one of the most awkward things to watch these ladies who love Jesus lead my dad through this prayer. And then it brought up a whole mess of questions for my dad after that and, and confusion. And uh, yeah, so I think we just have to be careful with how we approach that. Praying is good. If you're ever talking to someone and they say, man, I want to start following Jesus today. What does that mean? Um, pray with them. <laughs> you know, pray with them. That's fantastic. But that's a, that's a, different, a different approach. Right. And there's not a, a magic sequence of words there's most say. definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kind of along those lines, another uh, really uh, common question that, and, and a topic that I think a lot of people were talking about afterwards, um, I believe was the first weekend of the series. Sean, you talked about playing the long game. And I think you talked about with children and young people, and we were, you were speaking to how young people think these days and how the culture is changing and that. Um, that seemed to be something that, like, just freed up people and in their perspective on how do we do God talk when another common thing was we're not trying to make a sale. We can play the long game. Maybe you could just speak a little bit more to what does that look like? How do you play the long game? What does that mean? And practically, like, how does that, how does that play out? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it looks like being a friend. It looks like hanging out. It, look, it, it can look a thousand different ways. And um, the whole idea is we, we don't know when somebody's heart's going to be open to what God might be doing in their heart. And uh, we don't always know what hurdles that they have to kind of jump over or break through or, or, or things that need to be settled in, in their minds. And sometimes it can look worse before it looks better. And so we come from a stream of Christianity, I, at least I do, speak for myself, where uh, you needed to seal the deal with people at the end of conversations, or at least an end of a, a short period of time. And uh, there was pressure on me to seal the deal with my friends and relatives. And so I realized at one point I became the guy that was walking towards them that wanted to seal the deal. And so I, I basically had to back off of all of that and learn just how to be a regular guy. Learn how to be a regular friend. So that looks a lot of different ways. It looks like asking questions like we talked about tonight. It looks like me uh, diving in and, and, and re-engaging the scriptures and, and learning uh, what it had meant for me to follow Jesus and knowing my story and how long that took and looking at the people that were committed to me in my life. My, my older brother basically led me to Jesus, although he never prayed the prayer with me or anything like that. But it looked like inviting me to gym nights with a whole bunch of college-age athletes, some of them followers of Jesus, some of them not followers of Jesus, and opening up doors to just normal life. It looked like him inviting me to live in his apartment when I was homeless. And so I was in my car, driving around town, living in my car, and 
he kept on saying, just come live with me. I won't charge you anything. And I'm like, well, if I come live with, if I go live with my brother, I'm probably going to become a Jesus follower like him. And I'm not ready for that. And so I just kept driving around town and sleeping wherever. And uh, he's like, dude, just come live with me. And so again, it just, it looks like a person in front of you and learning what their needs are, what their desires are, what their hurts are, and then slowly just engaging those. And letting, letting God do what only God can do, and that's open the human heart. So, yeah. That's awesome. All right. I'd like to, I've got a few more questions written down, but I'd like to open it up for questions from the audience here. Our live studio audience, represent! So, um, who has a question? Uh, what is the prayer? Oh, that's a very good question. So there, great question since yeah, we're yeah, yeah. Like talking not it, about it comes things. it comes in various forms, but there's been different organizations uh, throughout the years who, um, in an effort to try to help us to understand uh, a, a way that we can come start start following Jesus through prayer. There's been uh, a few different organizations that have different varieties on this, but it basically looks like a prayer that. Uh, starts with saying, Jesus, uh, I recognize you're your Lord. I want to make you Lord of my life. I realize that uh, I'm a sinner. I realize that um, I, I need you, that you're the only way uh, for salvation. I want to uh, start following you this day. And so it's there's a, a variety of different prayers that all have that, that kind of feel to them. Uh, and I don't even remember the exact words to the sinner's prayer, which was popular for a while. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not sure there was ever really an exact prayer because, yeah. di- like you said, different tracks or different organizations have sure. them and use them. Uh, but so, yeah, you're, you're, that's a good example of what the sinner's prayer has been. Right. And again, to reiterate, that's a great prayer. Yeah. If you get someone who's ready to go, I want to follow Jesus. Can you help me? It's like pr- helping to pray that yeah. or something else is, that has the same heartbeat. It's, the idea is, Jesus, I want you. I love you. I trust you. Good question. Yeah, thanks for asking yeah. that one, man. That's good. Yeah, well, so well, actually that's a good lesson for us in God talk is yeah. sometimes we say things assuming people know what we're talking about. Even in this, right. we're, we're literally talking about not doing that and we're doing it. <laughs> right. And it's dangerous right. and it's hard. And, you know, again, it's just uh, it's good for us to have this constant um, filter on, like, does what we say make sense to people who have no idea what we're talking about? Um, so thank you for asking that question. Um, does anybody else have any other questions? Let me say real oh, quick that yeah. there's the, the, the message, uh, is this working? If you go back and you listen to the message, is this working in this series, that might answer some of those questions for you too. And some different ways that people approach Jesus that are not inherently bad. It's just not exactly, it's not the foolproof prescriptive way. All right. Other questions? Jason's got one. So John, I think you addressed this uh, on one of the Sundays not too long ago about the the Christianese thing about we get into like age of, age of accountability, and so what do you what do you say to somebody who's like lost a child, or you know how do how do we know that they have their salvation? You know that's the big thing in Christian culture. We need to know they had their salvation. How do you how do you address that with like somebody who's lost a child like that? Yeah, well, there's there's a short answer to this that I don't know is super helpful, and there's, there's a long, long answer uh, that we can go have coffee and, and talk about it. Uh, short answer uh, with, with, uh, is that I believe that God is a merciful, gracious, loving God. 
and um, and there's this great spot in the book of Jonah, where at the end of the book of Jonah, uh, it, it doesn't end like the children's books say the story of Jonah ends. Like, my kids had a Jonah story with Jonah kicking his heels in excitement at the end of it, you know, because he realized that he had wronged God. No, that story ends with him sitting, cursing God, um, wishing that everybody in the city would die and that he could sit outside the city and watch it happen. Now, you understand where he's coming from, maybe, because it was Nineveh, capital of Assyria. They're killing his people. It's, it's an interesting story. But God's answer to that is, he's like, look, um, shouldn't I be concerned about all of these people in the city? Like down to the people who the Bible says don't know the right hand from their left, which many think is a reference to children. Like they, and, and God even mentions the cattle. He says, you know, should I, should I not be concerned about, you know, and many cattle as well, period, end of Jonah. You know, it's, it's really, really interesting so I, I do, uh, so I'm not going to pretend to be God. Can I, I imagine a world where uh, a, an infant dies and is condemned? I, I personally cannot imagine that. I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's how God operates. Um, now, somebody might disagree with me on that, and, and that's okay. Uh, but I have the stories like Jonah. I have the story of, like, the thief on the, the cross um, who doesn't say a specific prayer. He doesn't say anything super deep. We don't know if he went to, you know, theological training. Uh, we know nothing except he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And there's just this, uh, there was this innocent recognition, you know, and so um, I, I just see that God meets people at, in a variety of different places, and he's always loving, and he's always gracious, and he's always slow to anger and abounding in love, which, by the way, Jonah quotes. Um, I think because we haven't had really good answers for that, that's why we invented something like the Acadia of age of accountability, which is once a child gets to a certain spot, they can make a decision. And I think that also ties into uh, ancient Hebrew culture and actually even uh, current uh, culture uh, with the Jewish faith where when uh, uh, people reach a certain age, then they become adults and they're responsible. Um, There's some magic words to use too. In certain cases like this, when you're talking about God talk, there's some magic words when it comes to this kind of issue, and they are, I don't know. It's really okay for us to, to say to our friends, we're trying to talk to them about, about who God is, and we think we have to have all the answers. Well, okay, which one of us has all the answers? And when it comes to something like that, I'd much rather just hug that person and pray for that person and be with that person and then say, I don't know. I haven't seen that the Bible's all that clearly laid out about that. There's some stories that are helpful. Those were helpful, John, but it's okay to say, I don't know. Another good question, especially in relation to how do we talk to somebody about that? That's great. Did I see a hand somewhere over here? Yes, right here. I have a son that's going on his first mission trip to Mexico, and um, he doesn't feel like his life is important 
and live, living a normal life is anything important. So he wants to um, join the Marines, and he doesn't care if he gives us life. So I, he doesn't seem to care that much about that. He just wants to do something noble. And so I want my son to do things noble. I want him to be better than me. But how can I – I'd like to know how I can talk to him about, you know, why his life is important and what are some of the great things that he can do through uh, – God can do through him. I mean, I'm not, I, want it, I want him to see that there's, a, there's other things. You know, him just being a person and being a soul is important. Yeah, that's a great question. And those kinds of questions come from a place of dreams and realizing not all, all of our dreams come true the way we want them to. And so there's deep emotion that I feel in a question like that with our, with our kids and our loved ones. Um, you can't plan, my experience is that you can't plan the quality time with your kids. You just never know when it's going to happen. And so um, in my experience, um, one, of my, one of my sons came home the other day from work, my oldest son. And um, he's taking philosophy right now is, uh, at the college. And uh, he wanted to have a conversation about philosophy. Uh, he's actually reading Kierkegaard, who is this amazing <laughs> philosopher uh, and um, asked a lot of questions and got really angry at the Danish church. And, uh, and so um, I was super busy and tired that night. And... But I saw the opening, and so I just, I, I went for it, and we talked for about two and a half hours, just about life. And we started with philosophy, but we went to all these other things. And so I think one of the things, one of the ways that we communicate value, like how, you know, how meaningful your son's life is, is um, just noticing those opportunities and trying to step through. My, my other son will never open an opportunity, and so I kind of have to step through myself. And uh, the other day, I, I asked him, this is probably TMI, I'm glad they're not here, but um, I asked him, hey, what would it be like if, because we've had a lot of God talks, what would it be like if you and I uh, got even a little more serious about this and started hanging out and, um, and watching these videos? There's these videos um, that they show in the high school ministry, and I'm drawing oh, the Bible like, Project. The Bible Project, yeah, yeah. yes. They're fantastic. And so what if we watched a video and then, and then talked about that, and we got some food and stuff? Would that be cool? He'd go, yeah, that would be really cool. And, um, and so I think a lot of that, what I'm trying to say is just taking the opportunities to show that value from you. I don't think that our kids are necessarily going to give us a sign, Dad, yes, I know that I'm valuable. I just don't, in my experience, very rarely does a young man articulate that back. But I think what you're doing is you're planting those seeds and you're spending that time and you're showing with your actions how valuable and meaningful his life is. And, um, and, and every conversation doesn't go beautiful in my, in my home or with my friends either. Sometimes I say something and they're like, you are crazy out of your mind. And, uh, but that leads us somewhere as well because they know that we have the freedom to say those things to one another. And so um, I would say... The, mo the more time you can spend with your child, and then when those moments turn up that you can't predict, just go for it with all that you have, like, like, like a dog going after a bone. You just go for those moments. There's a couple of verses in the Scripture that popped in my head about nobility. Uh, there's one in Philippians 4 that says, whatever is true, whatever is 
uh, honorable, whatever's right, you know, whatever. I think one translation maybe tr- takes honorable and calls it noble, whatever is noble. Um, lean into these things. Dwell on, let your mind dwell on these things. And I, I think I'd lean into your son and go, this, you're doing this mission trip. That's a noble thing. If he has noble things he wants to do, you may think his life is a lot more valuable than he tells you that, that it is. And when you celebrate that, one of our values here at Lakeside is we celebrate life-giving grace. And anytime you can find a way to celebrate, you know, your son when he's leaning into one of those things, uh, uh, into being noble, I'm, that, that's a gift you give to him. I think all of us as parents do, one of the greatest things we could do is just live our lives so our kids never have to wonder, ever, never have an occasion to wonder if we love them. You know, and I, I think that's, that's how God approaches us. Um, and so that, that certainly does, that kind of love certainly does cover a multitude of sins. Um, it's a Good. And that's playing the long game, too. You know, that's, that's a great application of playing the long game and not feeling like it has to be this moment. But that's good. Good question. Thanks for sharing. Oh, Kristen's got one. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Did you play an MSM tonight? Yes. I nice. Did. How'd it go? Great. Good. Eli that's... is a good MSM leader. Well, that's going to be on the podcast on the internet for everybody to hear. So I'll... We're, we're going to have to We'll send him this it. way. <laughs> we'll edit it so he doesn't get a big head. <laughs> What's your question? Uh, my question is... Um, I am, I have been for a long time just craving that, that lean in that you've been talking about, lean in and um, talk about, you know, have God talk all the time and find a group. And um, I, you know, family and work and scheduling is, is tricky. And so I guess I've struggled with finding the right group at the right day, you know, Thursday mornings or whatever night. And then, you know, questioning, do I, should I do co-ed? Um, I'm also, you know, I've been praying about it, and I've been wondering if God wants me to become kind of the host of one. And so how do I, how do I lean in and kind of um, close up the gap? Like, how do I hear from God? How do I, because I'm just craving, and I just want people. I want, like, in my home, I would love to serve food and talk God. or And so I'm like, you know, how do I do that? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for yeah. righteousness. Yeah. If, you, if that's in your heart, that's like, wow, there's not a question of, like, what's God's will for me or what should I do? If you're craving that and hungering and thirsting for that, that is leaning in. If, and if part of that craving or that hunger and thirst is, maybe I should host a group, I'm like, you, you should. Because <laughs> it, it would be great. I mean, how great is it? Not just for someone who goes, okay, it's my duty. I'm going to host a group because they've been asking us at the church to host a group, and I'm going to host a group. Like, I'm not going to that group, but I come to yours. If you're craving God like that, uh, John has a saying that he likes to use. is something like, you know, if you light yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. <laughs> Is that right? Am I pretty close to that? That's, that's it. That's it. Wow. So you, he also has a quote called Super de Duper. That was actually Barney's. I stole it from the dinosaur. But... John quotes Barney to bless you in your pursuit of God when you crave him and you like, maybe I should do a group. 
I just think your group would be beautiful. Not might not be easy, you know, trying to schedule it and figure it out, but it is worth leaning into because you you will be encouraged in that, and you'll be able to encourage others in that process. I agree with everything he just said, and I want to say this because I don't know exactly what's going on in your life, Kristen. I mean, I know a little bit. We've we've talked before, but uh, I think one of the biggest lies that I've ever had whispered in my ear is you're not doing enough for God. And so um, I, because I'm a workaholic, because I'm a perfectionist, because I'm type A, whatever, however, um, I often get in, I found myself in that kind of tailspin where I, I feel like the fix is more stuff. And I think throughout the scripture, we're constantly getting a picture of what it means to lean in in the busyness, in the chaos, in the mess, in the middle of the suck of life. So like when you feel like your world is spinning out of control, it's not so much that God wants to give you something that's um, an antidote and escape to that as much as he wants to meet you right in the middle of it and teach you new ways to engage with, with the yuckiness and, and, and with the stuff that's uncomfortable, too. So it might be a little bit uh, uh, of all of that. But Brad is right. that I mean, that, that hunger and that thirsting, I mean, that's, that's such a great perspective to have in, in everything. Um, and uh, no matter how messy things are. So, so it might be right. It might be good for you to start a group. Uh, could, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's the perfect time. But I also want you to hear as my friend that God wants to meet you in the middle of all of that chaos. He wants to speak in that. Other questions? Yeah, Christine over here. So I was talking with Pastor Brad a bit ago. I've, I'm in this new group that's just a six-week group, and I'm feeling called to um, share with them about the fact that Lakeside exists, and hopefully God would lead them to even if he doesn't come here, maybe go somewhere and use Easter service as a a platform for that, I guess. But um, today someone sent me, I I was made aware that someone's brother had committed suicide, and one of the um, people who's in this group that I just mentioned has shared that she lost a child at 28 weeks at some point, and she feels very broken. And so I'm wanting to, you know, bring this to them, but in my head while I'm sitting here, someone... What, what if someone's answer back to me is, why did God let that happen? I know for me, when bad things happen, that's not where my brain goes. Um, but I'm just sitting here thinking, wow, if that's what she were to say back to me, I feel like I'd be so caught off guard. And un, um, And I know God, Pastor Brad reminded me God's going to lead this and all of that. But I guess I feel so unprepared to answer a question like that because I've never been through it. And I don't want to give her just the hashtag answers. That's great. So Brad mentioned a little while ago the phrase, I don't know. Um, There are portions of the scripture that scream, I don't know. There's portions of the scripture that scream anger at the injustice and the brokenness in our world today. And then there's other parts of scripture that come alongside and comfort those that are screaming in desperation. There's a little verse in the scripture that says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. And I think our calling when somebody is in that type of pain, there's different types of pain in the world. 
Um, when somebody's in that kind of pain, I think our calling is to weep with them and to be with them and to just be present. Uh, we lost a dear member of Lakeside um, this year, a college student. And our youth pastor, Doug, he, he told me, because he did this, he practices, he said, you know, most of it is just showing up. Like right now, it's just about showing up. It's not having the fancy words. It's not having the deep theological answers. There are some theological answers. I think those need to come later. And, and I also think that most of those answers are incomplete. You know, it starts with living in a, in a broken world where things are falling apart and, and we have chosen to go in a direction as human beings and, and a theology of sin that says it's not just something that we do, but it's, it's literally an, an infection in all of life and in all of creation and our biology and everything. There's so many things. But I think that sort of real theological kind of conversation has to come later, and it starts with just being present and being somebody who's flesh that can wrap arms around the person that's going through deep, deep pain. So, yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard place to be. You know how they, you hold a baby and they get, like, vomit and snot all on your shoulder? I think that's a good metaphor for us, uh, for that. I, I remember a few years ago, at a Mother's Day, uh, quite a few years ago, a, a mom running out into uh, the lobby, and I went. I followed her out, and she had lost a child, and I realized how super, super, super de duper yeah. insensitive we had been for years on how we. Uh, this was probably twenty years ago on how we were approaching Mother's Day. I said, "Oh dear God, help me to never be that insensitive." again, to listen to this. So anytime we approach something like Mother's Day here, we're, we're trying to recognize so many different people um, because Hallmark hasn't made it super easy. I think also just um, one of the things I would add is when we're sitting with somebody in pain, in deep, deep pain, give them permission to be angry. You know, I have this time, I, I, I've shared it before, I used to call it my, like my dashboard confession time because the dashboard in my car heard all of my junk, my screaming, my yelling, my swearing, whatever it might be. It's just like, let's get real about the way that the world is. It ought to make us angry. When we see injustice, it ought to tick us off. When we see a child dying and we don't know why, it ought to just mess us up. When, when one of our friends takes their own life, it ought to just mess us up. And so let's acknowledge that. And then I, I say give permission to the people in your life that are going, yell at God. It's okay. Look in the scriptures. They were yelling at God too. It's okay. You know, and, and I think that's part, part of the grieving process. All right. I think we have time for one more. As part of my work, I have a lot of God talks with people. And I feel really good about it, except I have a hard time articulating a, an answer to the question. Um, so when I'm talking with God, Phil, uh, how do I listen? So that their, I, their question to you is, how do I listen do I when I'm talking him? to God? Oh, good question. How, how do I listen to God? How do I listen to God, I think is what you're saying. Oh, uh, right? okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, good question. Yeah. How do they hear him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, I think, well, I think several little maybe quick bullet points, and these guys can, can speak to it, is... Um, 
God allowed over a long period of time human beings to write down his story and their story. And one of the ways that we hear God is through the scriptures. Another way that I've heard God many, many times is through others coming to me and saying, hey, I have something to share to you. We have this, again, I talked about it tonight, the, the Holy Spirit can speak through people. We're part of the plan. We're, we're part of the game. We're in there. We're playing. And so um, the Spirit of God will speak through somebody else. Sometimes God speaks in a song, and it's not necessarily a quote-unquote Christian song. Uh, some God, sometimes God will speak in a poem or something or, or just out of the blue. And so all of these different things, and I think the posture that we want is just receptivity. Um, but I think one of the reasons why we don't hear those things a lot of times, we'll sit down and we'll even read the Bible, and I don't hear God say anything to me, is because we, we lack the amount of time of reflection. And so I say to people, take a long walk. Take a really long walk. Start with a seven-mile walk, and if you haven't heard from God, then go eight. And that's just like I, I will usually hear from God sometime between mile five and six on my walks. And I know that this is the way it works with me. And so um, N.T. Wright, uh, one of my favorite uh, authors, theologians, uh, will tell his people, go away and pray for this for 30 days and then come back and tell me if God spoke to you. And if the answer is no, then I'm going to tell you, go away and pray for 30 more days. And so sometimes it's slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, seeing what happens from there. Yeah, and I think uh, wisdom plays a huge part in this too. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom, and we shouldn't be afraid of that. Wisdom, uh, like uh, the Bible talks about there being safety in a multitude of counselors. Um, there's uh, The book of James is dedicated to talking to uh, a couple of different kinds of wisdom. Um, and I, I, I think uh, that surrounding myself by people um, who are wise... Uh, and speak into my life, who I give permission to edit me and, and speak uh, into me, has, has been a huge way from me, uh, for me to hear from God. Uh, and we should not be afraid of that. We should totally embrace that. There's, um, there's this weird thing in Christian culture sometimes that, uh, where somehow some of us believe that God has this, this will for us that is so defined and perfect. It's like he's waiting for us to just figure it out, you know? And so we're like, ah, I got to figure this out. What is God trying to say to me here? And he's going, come on, come on, you can get it. And you're like, I have so many options, God. And he's like, oh, you're almost there, little buddy. Come on. Ah, oh, you found the wrong one. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and, and I don't, I, we just don't see that picture in scripture. So like, uh, like a good example of this is uh, sometimes you'll hear people say, uh, I uh, am praying for my son or my daughter that God would bring them the perfect spouse. Well, that's not a bad prayer. Um, but the deal is, honestly, is that your child could pick from a hundred different spouses um, and they could all be wonderful choices uh, the question is, is it the best one, <laughs> you know, for them? And so sometimes wisdom plays into something uh, like that. So, uh, so surrounding myself with wise people uh, who are uh, trying to hear from God as well and who are studying Scripture and paying attention, and that's been helpful for me. Just not all 100 spouses at once. No, 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 no. That's a different story. <laughs> that would be unwise, time. unwise. That would be unwise. And we actually have those stories in the Bible. So. We do, don't we? <laughs> Oh, one more question. Oh, Christian, yeah, dude. Wait, wait for the microphone, dude. All right. This is my friend Christian. 
A couple of days ago, um, I was talking to my neighbor friend, and I asked him, does he believe in God? And he said, no, why are the... He said, he said that, no, why are these people feeding you fake information? Buddy, you, I don't even know you. I wish I did. I want to be like you when I grow up. Um, I, I love, uh, I can tell that you love people so very deeply. So, first of all, that's, that's super sweet. And never, ever be afraid to cry. Um, if somebody tells you not to cry, that's the fake information. All right, yeah, don't pay attention to that. Uh, you know, I think that um, we're all influenced by um, voices around us, and I think um, the best thing you can do for your for your friend is to live your life in such a way that he goes, "Wait a second, that's not the fake information." God is totally real because when I watch my friend Christian, is that what your name is? When I watch Christian, which is such a fitting name for this situation, when I watch him and I watch how he loves others and I watch how he loves God um, and he lives his life differently, that, that makes me want to ask more and more questions about this. That's the best thing you could do for him. And uh, so I say, keep doing a good job. It sounds like I wish I had a friend like you when I was your age, buddy. Good job. Right on. Thanks, Christian. Well, I think that's a good way for us to end tonight. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here and for asking the questions and um, for just being a part of this great series. We've got five weekends that are online uh, of actual um, the messages and then five weekends of our uh, after the message podcasts that you guys can check out and anybody who's listening can check out and we just really encourage you to do that and as always that we say here at Lakeside if you have more questions um, any any one of us would love to sit down and talk with you more about it so you can get in touch with us all right that wraps up our uh, God Talk series I don't know how to land this plane good job everybody cheer Thanks for engaging with us. Thanks for listening. You can listen to any message or post-message podcast that you may have missed by going to lakesidechurch.com. Click on the menu that looks like a little hamburger. It will take you to media and then messages. Peace.